This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. From episode one, I think, I've been faded on Spooko a number of times. Uh, Resh has played a relevant role from the episode four, five, six or so. Um, there was a funny heaps normal phase we went through maybe about 50 or 60 episodes ago that we uh, that we bumped along in. And Shag, we're now doing an episode in Dry July. And one of the interesting things about Dry July is that, is that sort of as we bumped over the years, uh, you know, we've discussed the fact that drinking's a part of my life and I, and I quite enjoy it. But I've done Dry July since 2010 with a little break in 2014 where I did October because my brother and his husband got married in August 2014 and I needed to be in peak drinking fitness to go to Mexico and drink with my new in-laws because it was some pretty heavy drinking. And luckily I was in peak drinking <laughs> condition. So, <laughs> and so, and so it went well. And the lesson Dry July teaches each year, and sorry, from our American listeners, Dry July means not drinking alcohol in July. Uh, and you sort of, you sometimes tie it into a fundraiser, which is what I've done. No one has to donate to that. Donate to your own charity if you'd like. Um, but, you, you know, you do do whatever it is you'd like to do. But the lesson Dry July teaches every year is always the same one, and it's just that drinking rules. And so you just spend, <laughs> you just spend <laughs> the entirety of July being like, mm, I'm so grateful for drinking. You know, it's such a lovely part of my life. <laughs> Can't wait to get back to drinking. <laughs> it's a fun, fun lesson to learn. I'm in the middle of being refreshed on it right now. Well, last episode was a bit of a dry mm. spooko because, <laughs> we are in the midst of our self-care journey. So yeah. I yeah. was away in Korea. Peach, you're about to go away to Fiji. So yeah. it, it, it was just impossible for us to put an episode together. So we had an intermission. No, no, it was possible. Okay, yeah. But we chose to look after we ourselves. We chose to value Shane. our own well-being. This week we, we didn't, did. but <laughs> usually we do. Fuck our well-being <laughs> for this week. <laughs> so I really wanted to come back with fire. I really wanted to come yes. back with a film that you were going to love, that was going to spook you out. You know, it was going to yes. really fulfill the promise of this podcast. I think this is going well, Shaq. I'm excited <laughs> to, hear, to hear where this is going to end and up. And so I was really super psyched mm. to get a link to see like a preview screening of mm. a film I've seen an amazing poster for appear everywhere. And part of me was like, there's no way this film won't be both A, Spooko and B, change the game when it comes to the horror genre. Like I was like, this film Sick. is going to be amazing. Shout out to Rob, our guest from the Faces of Death episode, who linked you, me with the tickets to this film. And so... Do you get invited to stuff now? I do not. Oh, uh, but Rob does. Well, no, because Rob's in like the secret, we can't talk about a government ah, reviewing that's right. Sorry. circle. Yes, so yes, that's right. he somehow gets them. And, and sometimes that filters down to his friends, you know, which includes mm, me. Yes. So, so yeah, so, so... All that to say, I was so excited about seeing this film. And, Peach, 
I, it met your expectations. It, Can't you'll, wait. You'll see when we talk about it. But <laughs> bef- before we get to it, let's talk about the fact mm. that I've seen this poster everywhere because yep. horror films, spooko films, do not need stars to get buzz. And to be honest, I think sometimes stars don't help maybe hinder the buzz for a horror film. Is it the one genre where clickbait works, Shag, where like just getting bums on seats, getting a ticket sold, that's the win? It's not necessarily creating a work of art. It's just doing something that gets the punters in the stands. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And from the beginning, horror has really weaponized, I guess, what you know, what we now call clickbait in that, you know, some sort of tease that maybe doesn't represent what you're going to see, but gets you excited enough to go in. And by that, I mean, it was the the poster or the cover. So think back Sick. to, you know, the 80s when it was VHS films. The cover of a horror film did Usually. most of the heavy lifting. You had to create an image that was spooky and scary and gross and creepy. So there were lots of fonts made out of blood. There was lots of text that was sort of relief, like rising out of the cover. There were lots of scary imagery, right? Like you didn't need to have names of stars. You needed to have a scary image. Now, fast forward, you know, post the VHS era, post the DVD era, that idea of a poster is still really important. And I don't know where I'd see a poster though these days. Well, Would it be served I mean, to me on socials, I guess? Yeah, you'd see it. In so- well, for me, as someone in horror circles, mm. still having some sort of key image that maybe yeah, doesn't okay. tell you too much about the film but gets you excited about it is so... I Snipsy, uh, yeah, like Snips- we should take our own advice. <laughs> Snipsy's iconic, if you had, yeah, like, yeah. Even, you know, a pair of scissors, like a menacing pair of scissors would do something to me, would get me mm. excited about seeing it. In the same way... Today's film had a picture of Ethan Hawke. Do you remember Ethan Hawke? Yeah, he was in um, It's the Curfew, curfew <laughs> the, sur- the Purge, The Surge, The Purge. He was in The Purge. So, <laughs> the purge. And Before Sunset and um, Reality Bites definitely, and Gattaca. Definitely. And that's about all I've got. <laughs> definitely an actor from the VHS, well, maybe more the DVD era, but still mm. would understand better than most the power of a weaponized cover. So this cover features <sighs> Ethan Hawke staring at the camera wearing a super spooky mask. Peach, I would love you to just really quickly Google the black phone poster. Just quickly Google it. Do you know that I know what this looks like because this has resonated with me in pop culture as well and I don't even know how or why. Right, right. They've created an incredible pop cultural image that does that clickbait job and makes people want to see the film. So coming back to Spooko... This week, I was like, sick. Have I got the film to come back (laughs) roaring? Yes. And then I saw it, and oh, my fucking God, I was (laughs) left out. All right, so today, Peach, this podcast is all about getting you over the fear of horror films. It's going to be easy Mm. with a film that's less scary than an unscary episode of Stranger Things. So today, Peach, (laughs) we are doing a film based on a short story by Stephen King's son, Directed by the director of Sinister, today we are doing The Black Phone. Because we took a break, I was like, yeah, just start fucking reading the synopsis. And I forgot (laughs) that we watched the trailer. (laughs) Uh, It really allows us to reintroduce ourselves. Snow, the fire. The paper's calling the grabber. I wish you wouldn't call him that. 
You don't actually believe that story, do you? Because he can't hear you, and he doesn't really take kids that safe. Well, isn't that just peachy king? You need some help? You see that? Yeah. <laughs> Would you hand me my hat? Yes, sir. I am a part-time magician. Are those black balloons in there? Would you like to see a magic trick? I have an announcement to make. One of our students, Finney Blake, was abducted. What if I could help the police find Finney? Doesn't work. Not since I was a kid. I'll scream. I'll scratch your face. This face? Daddy, I had a dream about it. What happened in your dream? He was taken. By a man with black balloons? Yes. We never released those details. from down there. There's a combination lock on the inside of the storm door. What's the combination? I carved it in the wall. Hang up the phone! The tree, the door, the gate. I've never seen it before except in my dream. You don't have much time. You're gonna use a weapon. You raise the phone, step back, and swing. Look what you made me do. Please hurry! You remember what I told you? If someday I should stand up for myself. Someday is today, Finn. Oh, I can see why you were let down. <laughs> that looks sick. <laughs> I'm not sure there could be a movie as good as I suspect, like right. as that trailer led me to believe it. I'm like, oh yeah. Right. Look, if you want to see an amazingly spooko film, watch the trailer to the Black Phone. When it's a great trailer, Shag, I'm pumped up. I'm ready to right. go watch the Black Phone. Right. Right. Yeah. Look, usually when I edit this podcast, I don't include the entire fucking include it all this time i don't usually include the entire audio track from the trailer only because you know obviously trailers are a mostly visual medium and it doesn't always translate but here's the thing if you've seen the trailer to the black phone you've Mm. seen the entire film oh okay it's a very literal it's a straightforward i kept thinking there was going to be more to it (laughs) they were going to explain them things except for the very quick resolution at the end the trailer is the film. I can't think of a time when I've been more disappointed. <laughs> oh, you're just like, okay, cool. This I was is just the like, the, the whole time I was like, you know, yeah, it was just cool. like, yeah, this is the bit from the trailer and this is the bit where, like, and, and you'll see when I read through this, you'll be like, this <laughs> this synopsis sounds eerily familiar. And I, I, I guess it comes back to the fact where it's like, there's so many great pieces of the puzzle here that should make a great mm. film, Ugh. but it just doesn't come together. And I wonder if... And again, like you can do whatever you want, but there's something weird about this being based on a story written by the son of Stephen King. 
Oh, yeah, I think that is tough. Like, my dad's a lawyer and so is his dad and so is his dad and so I've got my own shit to work through. <laughs> so I get it. But I do think there's something, like, in fact, I speak from direct experience in that it does fuck with your head when it's like, oh, you must be good at this if you've got 23 chromosomes from someone else who was good at it. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> it's good. We've talked about my child, golden child, before. They are still very young mm. and they could do nothing mm. wrong and I love them unconditionally. But if Golden Child... They can child, do nothing wrong generally. Best child. But if Golden Child was like, hey, Dad, I'm thinking of starting a horror exposure therapy podcast, I think I'd be a little mm. bit disappointed. <laughs> I'd be a little bit pissed off. I'd be like, hey, Golden Child, relax. <laughs> or or, or it would be a chance to tell a lesson of like, oh, it sounds a lot more fun than it is. <laughs> so look, well, um, it, like it is, it is more fun for me. You do the hard. In fact, I would be struck if Golden Child was like, "I want to do Shag's bit of the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine my children being like, "Yeah, great, it sounds awesome." <laughs> All right. Okay. Look. So it came out last month in the states. It's mm. current. It's. It, I think it's airing this Thursday in Australia. It's, it's. It's starting to just air in Australia right now. It is everywhere. If you've yeah, seen the poster, alert, but if you've seen the trailer, yeah, you've been If spoiled, you've seen yeah. the poster and it's freaked you out, and quite right, rightly so, it's an incredible poster. Watch the trailer, and you won't need to see the film or listen to this episode as well because it'll do the same job. <laughs> nice. But I also think there's going to be a million sequels because it's already been a massive success. It's directed by the guy who directed Sinister, which already started another horror series. So we're gonna we're gonna see so many of these, and it's all centered around a character who, like before I saw the film, I was like, "That's a scary name for a character." Now yeah. I'm like, "Wow, they didn't try." His name's the Grabber. Yeah, well, yeah, no, so I'm still in phase one of your two pro. I'm like, yeah, man, it's the grabber. Like, <laughs> I haven't had, like, even hearing you say it's disappointing, I'm like, I'm still like, it can't be that disappointing. All right, all right. Let me tell you one more thing to get you more disappointed. Well, just, just to allay your sky-high expectations. So originally <laughs> yeah. in the short story by Stephen King's son, mm. The, the grabber, they went. Can we and, give him a name? Like, can we at least call him John King or whatever? Oh, so his name's Joe Hill. Joe. I'm also kind of like, oh, okay. no, nah, but I'm also kind of like, he can be like, oh, I'm not trying to get by on my dad's success. It's like, there's no way you're not because you're doing horror stories. So at least call yourself <sighs> yeah, your tough. last name. Like, I don't think it's like, it's, 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 it's when movie stars play dickish versions of themselves where they're like, ah, oh, see, I'm in on the joke by playing an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Don Bradman was this impossibly famous cricketer um, in the 1920s, 30s and 40s in Australia. Just, just, just slips into anything. And his son is like, oh, I changed my name to Bradson. <laughs> and so like it was like, I hate being associated with dad. And then like 40 years later, I'm like, hi, oh, it's me. The guy who changed his name to Bradson, changing it back. Love you, dad. <laughs> it's like, great. <laughs> glad, you, glad you did all that stuff. <laughs> Okay. All right. So so this is this is one thing I need to tell you. So originally mm. Joe Hill gave the grabber a backstory and a little bit of a reasoning to what what he did number one and why mm. he did it and who he was. But in interviews with the creators of the Black Phone, they were like, "You know how most serial killers 
don't really have much of a motive and it's hard to get into their brains. We thought it'd be scarier if you didn't understand what the grabber was doing or why. Oh, that's such a <laughs> rationalization of like, oh, fuck. <laughs> How are we going to get all this in the film? <laughs> All right, okay. Set in 1978 because a phone on the wall is a central part of the plot. Yeah, fair enough. And because Stranger Things is only set like eight years later and (laughs) they want to sort of give it a Stranger Things vibe. Yep. This movie is so Stranger Things, but Stranger Things is so much better in every way. And Stranger Things isn't like Stranger Things is also just pretty good. Like Stranger Things isn't the greatest TV show of all time. It's pretty good Mm. and does things well. And yet it is a masterpiece compared to this. Well, the greatest TV show of all time, I don't want to get too distracted because we're going to go ham now that we're fucking back and like, dry spookos over. Dry spookos. <laughs> Fuck dry spookos. Um, but like the greatest TV shows of all time, like we can talk about The Sopranos or Breaking Bad or like Westeros or whatever it's called and stuff. And it's like, it's probably Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, oh. the English episodes. Oh. Like it's probably something that's like MasterChef Series 1 was pretty compelling mm. viewing and that's probably better and more memorable television. Television than, than anything else. The Gordon Ramsay shows mm. where he goes and reviews and then helps a business, yeah. be it a hotel or a restaurant, go through a journey from shitty to hopefully not as shitty as when he first encountered it, are the greatest TV shows of all time. Yeah. They they encompass because you know the best, like I'm a big fan of um Pedro Al Modova. Me too. But, love love but, them. But because his films, I love that you're paying me out, but his films encompass every aspect of the human experience. They're like, they're scary, they're funny, they're sexy, they're dramatic, they're Mm. they're everything at once, right? And Gordon Ramsay's shows are that, like even down to like the hotel shows where there's always a shot of him getting naked and trying out the shower. Like they do everything. They are funny they make you cry they make you learn something there's a parallel universe where fussy eater was a stepping stone to spooko and then spooko was a stepping stone to i'm not sure if we ever named it shag was going to be a stepping stone to our kitchen nightmares recap podcast that i think you had a great title for but i think we gave up on this about two years ago but yeah (laughs) there's a parallel universe where spooko got to about 15 episodes and we then got into our real passion which was gordon ramsay (laughs) (laughs) recap podcasts which i which in fact get at us on socials if we should just do one week where we're just doing a gordon ramsay recap podcast and it would only be one of the first three or four seasons of the english kitchen nightmares episodes i think or maybe boiling point I think so, and and yes, the title was the Nightmare Method the nightmare because it, method. it wasn't yes. just it wasn't just about a recap podcast. Mm. It was about the very specific method Gordon has for not just revitalizing right. a business, but for creating compelling television around it. That's and of right. course, one of one of the one of those parts of the method was always the "Come here, darling." Which is the moment where he goes into the restaurant, he orders some food, they deliver it to him. The waiter, and it's usually a waitress because he has a troubling relationship with young women, mm. but the waitress would be walking away and he'd say, come here, darling. And she'd come back and he'd have some problem immediately with the food. It would do be- they always do it like this? Is every this single the, time. Yeah. Every single time. Anyway, so yes. But he'd even become unhinged. Like the relax moments were always my favorite where people would be fighting and he'd come in yelling, relax. He'd go, relax, 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 relax. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the most like ironic thing of like, oh, he's 
in this. Like, you're like, oh, you're in this. Like, you're trying to, like, you're super upset, but you're trying to solve this problem and you've got no idea what you're doing. And for some reason, it's just the most compelling television. Like that time that Jamie Oliver's like, look, people are saying I'm trying to help these schools out of selfishness. My fucking kids aren't going to one of these schools. <laughs> Get a grip. <laughs> English, like, cooking television from 15 years ago. Um, but the black phone seems pretty sick as well, <laughs> yeah, I think. I was going to say, the Nightmare <laughs> yeah. Method in my brain is already a perfect podcast. Yes. At some point, if we ever had time to do something other than Spooko, or if Spooko comes to its natural end. If the economy gets really bad and you and I have to, like use this as our job it could be like patreon bonus episodes or something look who knows we'll see anyway so (laughs) so the black phone 1978 there's a serial child abductor named the grabber who's prowling the streets of a denver suburb and i don't know why it's not scary because like i said before all the pieces there are there are in the film it looks really good the acting is some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. and <laughs> That's not just because it's children, is it? Or is Ethan well, Hawke terrible the, as well? The children, no, Ethan Hawke's probably pretty good. And, you know, with a better cast, he would be amazing. Mm. But I think the thing is, it's like I'm not a director, mm. so I'm not going to school Scott Derrickson on this, but I imagine the key to good acting versus bad acting, as you see in this film, mm. is you don't stop after they've said all their lines completely. You don't be like, well, they've, they've said what's in the script. Let's <laughs> yeah, move done on. Yeah, that. Finish that bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, yeah, look, so, so that kind is of that takes you Is that an editing problem or is that a directing problem? Well, I think it's a bit of everything. Also, uh, uh, we'll get to it. Okay, so, okay. okay, so. Uh, prowls the streets of a Denver suburb. This is one of my favourite episodes. Like this, like dry spooko is really done forever. Dead and buried. Let's go. (laughs) So every now and then while these kids, you know, while you see kids walking around and it's like, it's the seventies and we all just walk home from school because we're Mm. not scared of child grabbers. Mm. You see this black van driving in the background of shots. It should be scary. I don't know why it's not, but it's just not. Anyway. Following a baseball match, star player Bruce is abducted by the grabber on his way home. And initially, we see the grabber abducting kids, again, in a way that should be scary, but just isn't, where we see these kids who were around people all of a sudden alone on these suburban streets, and then a black van pull up in front of them or nearby them in our peripheral vision, and then the whole shot fades to black. Like... Even describing that's, it to you now, that's I'm scary like, too. and it's not. I don't know why. I think this is a good movie, Shane. I think something weird's happened. Like, I think this is a pretty good movie. So All right. Far. Okay. All right. Now, siblings Finney and Gwen Blake live in the area with their abusive alcoholic yeah, father. And I know, I know I'm laughing, but it's like, it's so over the top. Like at one point, he's like whipping this 10-year-old girl on the ground with his belt. And you're just like, what? Like, what? Like, guys, what is what is going on? Joe Hill didn't fall far from the tree, it would seem. <laughs> so anyway, at school, Finney, the boy, is frequently bullied and harassed but strikes up a friendship with classmate Robin who fends off the bullies. Robin's like a really cool character at the start who, even though the Karate Kid hadn't come out yet, sort of is like a Karate Kid-style kid where he wears the big bandana around his head and he knows karate or kung fu so there's a scene where he beats up a school bully and then there's some other bullies chasing the main character finney but he steps in and he's like i've got your back but he's like but one day i'm not going to be around and you're going to have to stand up for yourself 
Ooh, a bit of foreshadowing that I think is also brought to a conclusion in the trailer. <laughs> in the trailer, they describe they, they get to the bit in the trailer where it comes back. Like I was, I was like, where is this going to lead? It's like, oh, it's going to lead just exactly to what was in the trailer. Anyway, okay. Gwen, the sister. I'm still defending this movie in my head. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Set it up, pay it Wait, off. Let's this, go. <laughs> this might be the bit that this might be the bit that gets you. So Gwen, the sister, has psychic dreams, much like her late mother, of Bruce's mm. kidnapping. So she essentially has The Shining. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so detective doesn't need The Shining. Anyway, no, yeah. it doesn't, and mm-hmm. it, it it's really annoying. It's just a case of it's Deus Ex The Shining, so you can get the cops to the oh, we need uh, a happy ending. The end. How yeah. are we going to find the grabber? Yeah. Okay. So detectives Wright and Miller. Um, and so there's also these sort of detectives. Fuck, this who, is the boring part of the story, though. As well, oh. I'm in fast forward mode now. And and they find out that Gwen mentioned to a school friend about black balloons, but they hadn't said anything about black balloons Ugh, to the public. That's also in the trailer. In the trailer, and boring. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they interview Gwen, but struggle to believe her claims. This isn't the interesting. Like, why is no. this director spending so much time yeah. on this? <laughs> Now, when Gwen gets home, this is mm. the part where her father beats her because her father's like, I hate black balloons. Yeah. You shouldn't talk to the cops about your dreams. They're not real. Your mum had dreams and they made her crazy. So oh, you can't have dreams. You're not your mother. And then just beats the shit out of her with a belt. And it's just really distressing and awful. And weirdly as well, you're supposed to like the dad at the end. And it's like, but no. Like, anyway, it's really confusing. Anyway, soon after. The grabber abducts Robin, followed by Finney days later. Okay, so Robin's a ghost inside the phone. Got it. Yeah. So we see we see Finney get abducted because the grammar does the scene in the trailer that you saw where he's a magician. He's like, Oh, I dropped all myself. I'm a magician. The part we don't see is how the abduction works. So basically, he then pulls out some balloons out of the van, hides finney behind the balloons because balloons make a big rustle as as he's trying to shake you can't hear anything while he's doing that he sprays some sort of thing into finney's mouth so he goes unconscious throws him in the van lets the balloons go drives off yeah like that's quite chilling as well yeah yeah yeah. it should be finney awakens in a dark basement with only a mattress and a working toilet the grabber explains to finney that the room is soundproofed after he threatens to scream when he learns that somebody else is upstairs a disconnected black rotary phone hangs on the wall, which the grabber says does not work since he was a kid. I'm not sure you believe the grabber being like, it's soundproof, just don't scream. Like, that's a classic <laughs> lie. <laughs> just straight up and down Just line. don't. Don't scream. But don't if try you to do. escape. It's impossible to escape. <laughs> anyway, so later, Finney hears the phone rings and answers it. Bruce, unable to remember his own name or who he was when he was alive, tells Finney about a floor tile he can remove to dig a tunnel and escape. So, Look, like, that's sort of a bit, of, bit fuzzy, but I still like it. Like, I still think this is fun. We've got the souls of the dead children helping out the live child. I, I think that's sort of fun. I think that's cool. Yeah, this is the one idea I like about the film, that mm. it's almost like in a... An Avengers meter, yeah. Avengers meter. Remember that old board game Mousetrap? How you had to build all those yes, things, and then they yes, go, yes, it's basically did. the Avengers meets Mousetrap. Amazing. In that each of these powers of these dead kids gives him something that when it, it's Voltron, yes. each of these kids eventually make him Voltron. Proper synergy. Yeah. Apart, weak, together, strong. Let's go. Meanwhile, with the police, the search for Finney is unsuccessful. The grabber brings Finney some food and leaves the door to the basement unlocked. 
Finney prepares to sneak out, but is stopped by another boy on the phone called Billy. He explains this is a game that the grabber plays, and he is waiting upstairs to attack Finney if he leaves the basement. And he goes into detail to be like, this is the first stage of the plan. He needs you to become a naughty boy because then when you become a naughty boy, the next stage of his game happens and that's where you die. Yeah, okay. Billy instructs him instead to use a cord he had found to get out via the basement window. While climbing, Finney ends up breaking the bars on the window, preventing him from climbing back up. Meanwhile, Gwen dreams of Billy being abducted and confides in her father about what is happening. Didn't the dad, why would you, anyway, yes. Also, I love that there's two separate supernatural things happening. There's the dead kids and the black That's phone. That's right. Oh, so they're unrelated. So so they are separate. Okay. They are completely unrelated to Gwen's shine. Gwen just has the shining. Okay. <laughs> like, I do find, like, I mean, if we talk about the Avengers, one of the things I like is, like, he drank radioactive waste or, like, he makes, yeah. like, robot armor. Mm. And you're like, great. Got it. Like, whereas this, it's like, mm, there's just some crazy stuff going it's, on. It's way scarier when you don't have any <laughs> explanations for anything. <laughs> so the detectives speak to an eccentric man called Max, who is staying in the area with his brother, who thinks he's got the case figured out. And he's like that old school wacko job who's got all the paper clippings up on the board and he's pinned yeah, things. Tape, with, pinned. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yep. And the detectives are like, look, until you see any kids, don't call us again. That's done. Mm. We find out once the detectives leave by a camera panning downstairs that Finney is actually being held in a basement below Max, which he's unaware of because the grabber is his brother. Classic. None of this makes any sense, by the way. After a disturbing encounter Sounds with like the, the grabber. Worst. He's like, no, the grabber's somewhere nearby, but I just can't see him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After a disturbing encounter with the grabber, Finney speaks to another one of his victims, Griffin, on the phone. Griffin shows Finney a combination to a lock and informs him the grabber has fallen asleep upstairs. Finney sneaks upstairs and unlocks the door, but the grabber's dog alerts him to Finney's escape. Finney runs out onto the street and he's screaming, but he's recaptured by the grabber and the grabber has like a knife to his throat and he's like, if you scream at all, I'm going to gut you and then I'm going to strangle you with your own intestines. Which I think you'd be dead. Like, you'd be dead <laughs> if I asked like, the, the strangulation moment. <laughs> yeah, it would have passed, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, I just remembered that line because it was, you know, particularly brutal. So, so he doesn't get to be escaped and then the grabber's like, you're now officially a naughty boy okay. and hits him in the head and he is unconscious and then wakes up back on the bed. Despondent over his failed escape, Finney answers the phone to hear another victim, a punk called Vance. And then we see Vance's backstory weirdly where he was like... This movie gets distracted. It jumps down weird rabbit holes. Like, who gives a shit? Right? Anyway, so Vance tells him of a connecting storage room he can escape through if he breaks a hole in the wall and exits through the freezer on the other side of the wall. So, so here's all the things he's got, right? He's got a string. He's got this phone that works. There was a tunnel that he sort of half dug. And now there's another hole in a wall that takes him through to a freezer. Did Stephen King write the Shawshank Redemption? He did, yes. So this is the same. <laughs> this is the Shawshank Redemption escape. <laughs> Fucking... Meets The Shining, meets It. Yeah, it's oh, all of God. those things, With right? Shawshank Redemption thrown in, fucking hell, Joe Hill. <laughs> God. Do you know I now practice pretty much in the same area as Bill? 
<laughs> Filming your father. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Finney gets through this hole in the wall, mm. gets through into the freezer, but then realizes that the freezer's locked. So he can get into the freezer from behind and finds all this meat, which is important, but he can't actually get through the freezer. So he's a bit like, ah, oh, fuck. So I've got all these things, but I still actually can't escape. Mm. The phone rings one more time with Robin at the end of the line. He comforts Finney and encourages him to finally stand up and fight for himself, as we heard and saw in the trailer. Yes. He instructs Finney to remove the phone receiver, pack it with dirt uh, that he dug up from the hole and use it as like a morning star sort of weapon. Yep. Meanwhile, Gwen dreams of Vance the punk's abduction and it leads him to the property of the grabber. She finds the house while going through the town on her bike, you know, connecting it with what she saw in her dream and contacts the detectives. Max, the brother, who's been investigating... So the, the detectives in- are like, any updates, Gwen? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> any dream yes, updates? Yes, 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 yes. That's all we see. We don't oh, see God. the detectives doing any work, except... <laughs> like, hopefully, hopefully Gwen has some more dreams. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> So meanwhile, Max, who's been investigating the abductions, grows suspicious of his brother. And we know this because there's a moment where he's staring at his wall of all of his evidence. And then he's basically like, of course. Like there's a moment where it just zooms in on his face and he's like, of course. It's like, it was my brother all along. Anyway, he investigates the secretive basement, finding Finney being held captive. He rushes to free him. But the grabber appears behind him and kills him with an axe to the head. This is also from The Shining. Yes, 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 yes. What is going on in this movie? And kills him with an axe to the head. Probably the goriest part in the film. Also, it's probably really important to note that the grabber, when he abducts Finney, doesn't wear a mask. But for the rest of the film, he wears a mask and he can change it to have a frowny face or no face. And it's a pretty spooky mask. And yeah, we don't. there's no explanation cool. to why he wears a mask, but he wears a mask. Yeah. But we get so, Vance's fucking backstory. Yeah. Okay, we get great. Vance's whole backstory. Yeah. yeah. Great. Meanwhile, the police search the house Gwen found but find it abandoned. But before they leave, they notice a hidden basement where they find the buried bodies of the grabber's victims. So it's that bait and switch where it's the science of the lambs where they haven't actually been led to the killer's house. Uh, we think they're going to the killer's house, but they're not actually gone to the killer's house. They've gone to the house where the grabber buries the bodies. Yeah, okay. The grabber blames Finney for his brother's demise and moves in for the kill. He chains his dog to the basement's entrance, preventing Finney from escaping at all. He attacks Finney with an axe, but Finney manages to trip the grabber with the cord, causing him to fall into the half-dug tunnel. Remember, so there was a half-dug tunnel. So it wasn't about escaping. It was about creating a half-dug tunnel that Finney dug, where the grabber breaks and traps his ankle in the window bars placed at the bottom. So the window bars that pull uh, down were at the bottom. Okay, this is and he breaks his ankle. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh, and there's a point, right? Okay, so before any of this happens. Didn't he fill the phone up with dirt? Yeah, and so like so before it. this happens, before so so Finney's using the phone to attack him, yeah. but then the grabber like kind of grabs the other other hand, but then Finney knocks the mask off his face, and then he screams like his face has been like covered in acid or something there are explanations online that the idea of the mask is to hide the shame of what he's doing yes, so to create yes. like an alternate character so you remove the mask and all of a sudden he's like oh my god i'm a child killer that sucks yeah 
What's annoying though, and like I, I'm not advocating that it should have been this, but in at least in Joe Hill's story, he was like an overweight, evil pedophile. So at least you had like a bit of a motive. Like it's just kind of dumb to be like, I loved killing children. It's just, it's not, it's, it's Willy Wonka. It's not yep. scary. Yep. It's yep. like, it's like it, 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 there's no difference with the evil demon from the hate dimension of like, yep, cool. Like it sounds, yeah. sounds pretty scary. Yeah. Anyway, but but he hates knowing that he's killing children. So he, yes. the mask comes off, which gives Finney the upper hand. He knocks him a few times with the phone, then uses the phone to strangle him. He hears the phone call one more time. He gives the receiver to the grabber who hears the victims taunt him before he snaps his neck, killing him. Now, he's still stuck in this basement, right? And the police don't know where he is. And there's a dog at the start. But you remember, he broke into a fridge that had some meat in it. So he finds some meat from the fridge, oh, well done. throws it to the dog, and then he's able to walk upstairs. As Finney exits the house, he sees Gwen across the street surrounded by the police. So not only did the police go to this house where the bodies were opposite the house of the person who called them with information about the murders and not put two and two together and be like, they're just completely unrelated. <laughs> Mm, has Gwen got any, like, Gwen, what do you reckon? Are these... <laughs> Gwen, what are you, have you, you had, had dreams, dreams about this about guy? This? <laughs> as, as Finney exits the house, he sees Gwen across the street surrounded by police. It is revealed that the house in which the bodies were stored is directly opposite the grabber's house. The police rush past a reunited They're Finney like and Gwen. They're like waters down the earlier twist. Like the earlier twist is quite powerful and then it's like, oh, it's actually pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> That's really weird. It's really weird. But I wanted you to be like, look, I know you bought into the fact that the police were on their way, so don't worry. They kind of were. Do you like like it when I do it like this or different? So the police rush past a reunited Finney and Gwen. I also love this. This boy has been gone for weeks and the police are like, look, you're fine. Yeah, hug your sister. Great. Now we've got to really. (laughs) To secure the property. The siblings comfort each other and reunite with their father, who apologizes for his treatment, which, yeah, good. Do you know what I mean? It's like he was—he whipped a, like a ten-year-old girl on the ground with a belt, with all of his might, in an alcoholic fit of rage. But now one apology is enough. Like we know, he's that sort of the same as the grabber. Like he's sort yes. of the same as the grabber. It's like, oh, I'm I'm ashamed of my behavior. Yes, apologies are part of the abuse cycle. It doesn't mm. take away from all the actions you've done. Anyway. And then this is how it ends, right? Back at school, a confident Finney sits next to his school crush and smiles. That's eternally <laughs> very upset again. <laughs> he just killed a grown-up who yeah. had tortured him yeah. and yeah. he spoke to ghosts for days yeah. and days. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's been trapped downstairs. At one point he thought he was never going to get free. He's probably malnourished. Worried about the things that were going to happen. And the awesome dad's like, back to school. Back you go to school. Father of the year. Father of the year. Yeah, anyway. So, Pete, look, I, I wanted to end Dry Spooko with a bang. How did I do with the black phone? That was a – Shag, as always, you approved, correct? That was a vastly worse film than the trailer promised. I got really distracted. The tone was very strange. Um you know, and being like, it, I don't know why you invoke the ghost of Stephen King in promoting this to be like, yep, it's got all those Stephen King beats you love. <laughs> I think 1978 was probably the year when something came out. You know, it would have come out that year or something like that. 
I just feel like this was a great opportunity mismanaged and I can't wait for the reboot of it in like 18 months or whatever happens in uh, horror continuities like this. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?